Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. Going out of town this summer? Protect what matters most with 24-7 professionally monitored home security from Protect America. The nation's best home security starts at only $19.99 per month. For over 25 years, Protect America has offered award-winning home security with low monthly costs, low upfront costs, and locked-in rates. The other guys, they can't say that. Visit protectamerica.com slash law and order to get $5 off your monthly monitoring. That's protectamerica.com slash law and order. This week's Law and Order Marathon winner is Allison Kaufman of Denver, Colorado. Allison will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Sarah D. Bunting, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary police procedural, baby. It's the FNOG of police procedures, baby. Law and order, law and order, law and order, law and order. These are their stories, these are their stories. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or The Mothership. And today we're looking at Criminal Intent Season 3, Episode 9, Happy Family. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and host of the podcast Crime Writers On, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, my wife, Rebecca Lavoy. Don't you mean your happy wife, Rebecca Lavoy? Happy family, happy wife, happy... I'm going bullshit on the title of this episode, by the way. <laughs> there was not even a moment where this was a happy family. Well, I guess maybe that's what they call irony. <laughs> and rounding out our panel is our very special guest from the Blotter podcast and publisher of the Tomato Nation website for a second appearance. Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me back. You're our first repeat offender. Really? You are, yeah. Wow. Couldn't get anyone else to talk criminal intent, huh? Well. (laughs) No one who actually has ever seen it before. (laughs) I will admit, and I will take the blame that we have let our criminal intent fans down, because we get a lot of great guests, and when we ask them to watch Criminal Intent, they're always surprised at the format, because they haven't seen it before. They're like, what the fuck is this? Why do do I know who did it already? (laughs) Yeah, they just, and there's, we have to explain to them why there wasn't a trial halfway through, but... Sarah, you are a legit CI fan, right? I am. All flavors of CI. Nothisodes, um, <laughs> saffron burisodes, gold bloomisodes. I love them all. I don't think I'd ever seen this one before, though. I don't really? know how it slipped through the cracks. And I am interested to hear why you, Kevin, selected this episode, because the last time I appeared, your rationale for selecting that episode, I feel is that you hate me because <laughs> you picked an Amarisode and I was like, Flynn, 
why you hate me. <laughs> no, just because Scott Bakula named his penis King Sebastian. I wanted oh your take. Oh, my God. That's right. That's right. And what, what hotter take could you find? <laughs> I mean, you don't even need a take. It's... He named his penis. Enough said. So why did we watch this one? Well, I, I love me a good rip from the headlines. And I really wanted to go back with someone who appreciates criminal intent because a lot of people do. And they really get into specifically D'Onofrio because this is really his show. I mean, regardless of whether it's Jeff Goldblum or Chris Noth, I mean, this show is built around the Gorn character, and people have a real appreciation for it. So why'd you pick this particular Gorn episode? No fucking idea. <laughs> I threw a dart. Because okay. it Fair. was on? It was on USA It was on. I whatever. like the name. It's Happy Family. This has got to be good. Sounds like a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really soothing. What, what could go wrong on Criminal Intent of all shows? But, you know, of the three, of course, Criminal Intent is like often the forgotten show. You know, because, yeah, that would be trial by jury. Oh, uh, well, that doesn't even fucking count. But, I mean, there are three main shows. But this show was on for 10 seasons. So you have to say it was a successful show, right? Yeah. Can I get a witness? I think so. Yeah. It was successful, although, Sarah, do you follow D'Onofrio on Twitter? I had to mute him after a while because <laughs> it was kind of a don't meet your heroes thing. Like, I that's actually weird, did meet right? him one time. Yeah. He was super nice and let me take a picture with him. But yeah, he's that specific kind of actor that, and I am married to an actor, so I was going to say no shade, but okay, only some shade. <laughs> but he's that kind of actor that you're like, oh, it's like finding out that Clark Peters is a member of some weird, like, semi-Buddhist yeah. he's, church, he's, and you're like, oh, yeah, he, he's he's like he's like a little much, right? So like he um, uh-huh. he's very 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 earnest, like to a degree that like he listened to this podcast once. And he tweeted about it, how much he hated oh, I, it because he thought we were mean, right? <laughs> I don't completely yeah. disagree. <laughs> but, you know, then we were like, maybe we should never invite any Law & Order people on ever. But the reason I bring that up is because he tweets about this show like it's still on. <laughs> well, people tweet to him like it's still on. Yeah, they, they – I he, mean, of all the – and he's done some great work outside of Law & Order, starting with Full Metal Jacket. And yep. he's done all this – Stuff from Jurassic World to the the Pele movie. He's great in everything he's in. He is. And I think it's part of the blessing slash curse of criminal intent for him is that he plays this odd character so well. (laughs) I wonder why. Well, that people probably (laughs) think, you know, that he is an uncomfortable, awkward person. He doesn't come off like that in some of the other films. I don't know him personally. Sarah, what do you think about that? He always struck me as sort of not being fully at home in a body of his body size. This is a sizable human being. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that he he's always struck me as sort of not having grown into his feet. Right. <laughs> in, in a way that some of that is just associating him so strongly with that iconic role of Private Pile, mm-hmm. where that was absolutely the character brief. You don't get that as much from Gorin. But especially in the later, more shambolic appearing years, you you definitely get the sense that he's like bouncing off pieces of furniture because he's forgotten that he's a little bit fatter now and he doesn't know like, do I fit in these pants? I don't remember. (laughs) Yeah, he's a weird, I mean, he's a, I think he's a weird guy, but he's also definitely one of those actors that's like, I just need to not be around this negative energy of whatever. And you're like, I get that, but you're not my people. Now, Sarah, you're our first returning guest, and last time you picked your favorite detective as Chester Lake from SVU. Yes, I did. <laughs> you still stand I don't know by why that I did pick? That. You still stand by it? 
You know what? Yeah, I'm going to stand by that because he offers to bring um, victims' children to Red Lobster to comfort <laughs> <That's> them. <right. laughs> Even if mom's dead, we That's still have to go. That's a solid citizen. I'll take your ass I realize that I think technically in the SVU verse, Chester Lake is in jail he somewhere, is. but yeah. I always liked that character and I like Finn with that character. So yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Did you know Chester was also a mixed martial artist? In real life? No, no, no. The character was. Really? Yeah. Yes. Do you know right. what his name was? Is his, his uh, fighting name? Name? Oh, I don't remember. Nap I remember time. the oh, nap time. I love nap it. Time. <laughs> nap time. That was a uh, good for a lot of his line deliveries too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. And you said your favorite prosecutorial team was Stone and Robinette. Stand mm-hmm. by that one. I absolutely stand by that one. Well, good. <laughs> because don't puss out. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. See, she has convictions. This lady. That's why I we do. keep having her back. As it were. Has your opinion of Michael Moriarty changed in the past <laughs> six months? Oh, th- that guy is a fucking nut log. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, it hasn't changed in the past six months. It could never change. I think he's still trying to run for prime minister of America <laughs> as a Canadian citizen from Israel. <laughs> All right, now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, Criminal Intent, Season 3, Episode 9, Happy Family. Well, we begin (laughs) in the dangerous crossfire of death stares at a children's music recital. Mother Paula and her nanny Helen are looking for her soon-to-be ex, Russell. He's not there, so they throw shade at his sister Brenda and husband Dr. Ralph, and they give side-eye to Paula's sketchy new boyfriend, Eddie. Now, Dad has just been bludgeoned to death, causing him to miss his sons perform a prolonged version of Ave Maria, which in a way makes him the lucky one. <laughs> he staggered over here. He put his hand down on here just long enough to, to bleed on it. But he didn't run. You know, he didn't defend himself. He could have used these statues. But he didn't. He went down. Here. Connor's must have come, too. Tried to get to the phone. There's a a bruise here. It's curved. Field hockey stick. It's got a curved head. There could have been one with the sports equipment downstairs. The killer grabs it on his way up to break into the stamp cabinet. The murder weapon and Eddie's bloody shirt are found in a dumpster, and his alibi about being with another woman is solid. With the divorce unfinalized and the estate in flux, Gorn and Bishop think Paula might have worn the shirt to kill her husband and set up her boyfriend. She's been trying to get a key to Russell's apartment. The detectives find a stash of medicine in a locked refrigerator. They think Paula is hiding a terminal illness. Meantime, they uncover a dry-cleaning ticket for Helen's nanny uniforms. With the boys having grown up in a Romanian orphanage, Helen has started the paperwork to become their guardian. With dad murdered and mom dying, the nanny is lined up to get the kids and their $40 million estate. Okay, so we start off with no upfront look at who the killer is and a boatload of suspects. Who likes watching this kind of criminal intent better than watching Gorn piece together a crime we already know? I liked it. Uh, I liked it a lot, except for a couple of gaping plot holes like we never figure out why Paula is dating that like ex-con loser guy like, there's always like some in the episodes whenever like there's a rich woman who's dating some sort of ex-con loser guy who's obviously like a grifter or whatever you at least see like a little bit of attraction or something like mm-hmm. there's none of that obviously the minute they say those kids are from Romania you're like uh oh because there have been so many episodes they didn't say Transylvania there's nothing that Law and Order hates more than twins than they hate adopted kids from Eastern <laughs> Europe or the like like adopted kids 
you know, you just know that's like like a harbinger of, you know, whatever in these episodes. But I, I kind of liked that we didn't see the whole thing. I don't know. I mean, maybe since I've been watching so much SVU and Original Recipe lately, but I thought it was a welcome departure. Sarah, this was the rare closed mystery versus criminal intents open mystery format. What did you think? Yeah, I didn't have a problem with it. I liked the first half of the episode, but I did feel, despite the fact that it was a closed format, that it was pointing definitely towards the result. <laughs> and yet the result se- seemed completely insane. And that kind of, they have to be going there, they shouldn't be going there tension. When you're sort of like, you want to be a little bit ahead of the narrative, but not so far that you're bored. That didn't exactly work for me. Because it's like, you're sort of making a list in your head of who it could possibly have been. And once almost everyone is crossed off, you're like, well, okay, but how are they going to get there? And why? And are we going to spend one third of the episode with Gorin monologuing about why this is so spoiler yes we are yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, but i'll tell you that the, the closed mystery format it gave the opportunity for Gorin to do a lot more of that like huge leaps in logic sherlock holmesing that he does way earlier in the episode where he like sees the yellow stain on the shirt and he's immediately like i'm gonna get in the bracelet yeah but i hear that they tarnish and stain your shirt you get that i never looked well let's look at it now hey that's somebody with arthritis wearing a copper bracelet. And, and, you know, when he finds the medication in the woman's refrigerator, he's like... She's taking steroids. That's why she's put on weight. And the ginger, that's probably for the nausea. So she's sick? Yes, yeah, it could be cancer. The fact the fridge is locked. The nanny didn't know what the ginger tea was for. Paula hasn't told anyone. Maybe because there's no cure. She hasn't told anybody, which means it's definitely terminal. It's like, what? What? Wait a minute. Yeah, like, who? Huh? <laughs> You're like, don't bother sending this shirt to the lab. There's no perspiration. There would be if the killer exerted himself. I sniffed it, and there's no perspiration <laughs> on it. Let's move on. But that kind of stuff usually happens near the end, like uh-huh. when he's. But it doesn't. But this was happening like right away in the episode. It was very like, it was very like bad um, Sherlock Holmes episode kind of stuff going on. I liked it though. I did. Pretty swift work on behalf of Detective Gorn. What do you say, Sarah? Here's the thing. Like one of the pleasures of Criminal Intent in my opinion, at least in Gorin episodes, is watching the perp realize, A, that Gorin somehow has figured out how this was done, despite it being this like very Byzantine, Agatha Christian setup <laughs> that should have worked, but it didn't because he figured it out. And number two, that the perp will not be spared a point-by-point explication of how (laughs) Gorin figured it out. And, like, watching these actors go through, like, the five stages of disgust with having to deal with Gorin, and then they're arrested at the end. Like, you know, cake or death? I don't know. (laughs) That's one of the great pleasures of the show to me. And in this case, because of the tender ages of the suspects, we sort of were deprived of that panic a little bit so yeah well we briefly see Eames yeah now we gotta remember her character is a widow yep but she's pregnant yep so they say how about we make her a surrogate mother for her sister yep and instead we get uh, discount Scully (laughs) uh, Detective Lynn Bishop (laughs) oh god Uh, any fans of uh, a bishop here Uh, it's a bishop sewed I, it's not somebody I'm all, I, I'm all set. I, I'm all set. I never think about her until I see her. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That redheaded lady was on this show for a while. I, she's not like she just sort of follows along with, you know, 
she goes and grabs things when he's talking. She'll be like, he'll be like, get me that thing. And she'll go get the thing and hand it to him. It's a very utilitarian role. Like we need to have a second person here. So we're going to have some, that's sort of the role she's playing. She's not really advancing any of the action ever in the way that Eames did, especially. Well, Sarah, I mean, really, is there a distinction between what Eames often does and what Bishop is doing? Eames rolls her eyes a lot more (laughs) at Gorin. And I do feel, I mean, it does seem like it's almost always a redhead. Like, there have been a lot of other detectives you forget in this franchise, but this isn't even the, like, second best redhead. (laughs) Nothing against Samantha Buck. She's fine. Yeah. But she's absolutely just a placeholder for um, Catherine Irby to be on mat leave. Right. That's it. I wish they'd come up with Alicia Witt sooner and plugged her in, because I always, like, her resting bitch face is the best. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Totally. So, but yeah, she's fine. I mean, I, the idea that this character would have fans is alien to yeah, me, but yeah. I guess it's possible. It's like the white Oreos. You know those white ones? Yeah. Yeah, nobody really likes those or buys them, but they exist. The vanilla? like the. You mean the golden Oreos? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. exactly. That's bullshit. I We're going to rumble now. I love those. <laughs> okay, yeah. sorry, sorry, guys. Yeah, oh, bad, I, bad, bad pick. I guess you guys like Bishop too then. I don't know. <laughs> you know, there's one like detail that you didn't mention that was like a tiny anvil drop, but I just thought it was like executed really in a funny way. Mm-hmm. In the first half of the episode, it becomes clear to us that um, one of the boys from Romania, dun, dun, dun was um, having nightmares and like everyone in the house comes running when he's having nightmares and like all of the lights are on in the house and I'm like maybe he can't sleep because all of the damn lights are on in the house (laughs) (laughs) and I just sort of think like rich people gotta be rich right they could just leave all their lights on 24 7 why not exactly I don't know I don't know it stuck out to me I just thought I would mention it I'm saying somebody did break into dad's house and like Beat him to death with a field hockey for stick. For his fancy stamp, stamp for collection. For stamp collection. Allegedly. So oh, maybe you don't turn the lights off. That was a great moment. Oh, my God, moment. the stamp collection. The Jesus. stamp collection and the stick. Okay. See this bruise? It's slightly curved. Uh, field hockey stick. Like, 100% <laughs> sure yeah. immediately. Got that in one. It was like minute <laughs> four. I was like, dude. Isn't field hockey a girl sport? Holy cow. I, I can't swear to that. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's a girl's only sport. At least it is in our town. Anyway. Yeah, guy field hockey. I don't know. We'll probably hear from somebody. No, but guy field hockey. It's yeah, called okay. hockey. That's called hockey. <laughs> Frozen fields field hockey. You yeah. know. Yeah. We have a hey, it's that guy. Hey, it's that guy. Who can give us the name of the actor who plays Dr. Ralph Friedman? Anyone? I don't know his name. I can. You know his name? Hit a Sarah. It is Josh. I don't know how you pronounce it. Pays. Yes. Yeah, made a mistake. The surgery was canceled. I was on the computer. Are you sure? Yes, I was doing that research. And uh, if you want to question me anymore, you can call my lawyer. And he last seen on SVU as some kind of ADA who was uh, looking at kiddie porn and was... Super creeper. That's right, yeah. Carded off in cuffs, and it was a great performance, but now he's completely burnt for the franchise and he's on And he's on Ray Donovan as a super creeper as well. Yeah, uh, Stu Feldman, the... uh, Who sent a super creeper on that show? Yeah. Isn't that a shorter list? Yeah, but you know, interesting... It's like some dog in the background, not a super creeper. (laughs) Everyone else, worse. (laughs) The guitar the daughter plays not a super creeper yes. he does have resting asshole face doesn't he <laughs> he does you he can look sure at him does. and say that guy did it <laughs> but this guy was actually in episode three of season one of law and order as um a medical examiner okay and had a recurring yeah. role as a uh, medical examiner borak 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, right, he was Hank Abraham, uh, the NYPD spokesman busted for child pornography on SVU. Yep. So in a great scene, by the way, where like he was using the modem in the next door neighbor's apartment and like the wires going through the wall and stuff, that whole like arrest situation. And then the wife was a friend of it was great. If you haven't seen that SVU episode, Kevin, you should go back and watch it. It was a good one. Yeah, and yeah, I th- it, it actually was, especially the performance by whoever played the wife. Like, she shows up at court and she looks like she's basically vomited herself <laughs> inside out, knowing that this was her. This was her husband that she's just like, ah, solid foods, nope. <laughs> Very well done. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. When you support us at Patreon at just $5, you will get exclusive content like the Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club, Laura's Rage Walk, The Crime Writers on After Show, and Married with Podcast with Rebecca and me. Start getting your exclusive perks for just $5. Join our own elite squad at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. That's patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Can't wait. Although Helen doesn't know Paula is dying, the mother is in favor of her nanny getting custody of her adopted sons, Jason and Sam. She never wanted her dead husband to get custody, nor sister-in-law or surgeon husband to get them. Gorn and Bishop see Dr. Ralph's computer was used to research Paula's medical records and her secret illness. So now he looks like a viable suspect. Watching a video of the boys' performance, Sam plays the piano well, and Jason is able to hit all of the high notes. Gorin finds that strange because nervous Jason was supposedly vomiting before performing. And based on their behavior at school, the detectives think the boys are having flashbacks of some trauma. With so many suspects in Russell's death, Gorin takes a page from Dashiell Hammett and says, Hey, let's get them all in the same room and see what the fuck happens. (laughs) First, Gorin accuses Dr. Ralph. He was doing the research. Bishop accuses Paula. She wanted the house key. No, it's Helen. She got rid of her clothes. No, it was Colonel Mustard with a candlestick. But no, it's actually none of them. I know that if none of you people killed Russell Connors, there's only one other explanation for your suspect behavior. You see what your family did? 
without telling each other. They protected you. Young Jason admits he killed his adopted father. The brothers believed Paula's claims that if their father won custody, he'd send them back to the horrible Romanian orphanage they grew up in. Boo. Okay, so uh, let's back up a bit here. Yes, let's. You don't have to be a star investigator when the suspect says, sure, go ahead, look at my computer. <laughs> Who, Dr. Friedman? Yeah, Dr. Dr. Ralph. Yeah, Dr. Ralph was, like, cool with it, but it was very, very clear immediately when he, you know, it, it, there was that whole turn where it was clear that he was covering for someone. And he had resting asshole face yeah. all over again. <laughs> yeah, 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 whole other. Well, and it's like dropping. you don't cast. He's like the one of the more recognizable people in the guest cast. So it's like you don't cast that guy and not have him be the guy. That seems to be, you know, uh, another break from the Law and Order format. Is you have, you know, somebody who's like, oh, I recognize him. He must have done it. Right. And he didn't do it. I don't know. The other thing that happened that was like funny in the episode was when they went to the school. It was like one of those side scenes to talk to the counselor. And she basically verifies, oh, yeah, these kids, you know. So it was basically the whole scene where it was like, yeah, the kids are creepy. And then he looks in the desk and sees all the little piles of, of stuff. Buttons and strings. Yeah, and yeah. It was just, there's just a lot. It was just, you know, like... Um, in SVU, there's like a lot of exposition where we hear, like, very often I feel like we hear about a lot of that stuff. Like, this would be the PowerPoint where, hey, we looked on the kid's desk and this was here. Like, there, because it was a closed mystery, there just had to be like a lot of time to do like all of this minutia along the way. And I don't know, it was that the pacing was that this part of the episode was a little bit strange, especially given the protracted nature of that fucking absurd uh, fake interrogation scene. It was absurd. Oh, God, seriously. So now, who loved it when Gorn gathered all the suspects in the same room and, like, he and Bishop were like Nick and Nora Charles from The Thin Man? He said, darling, get me a cocktail while I interrogate everyone. Get me some gray flannel pants so that yeah. we can use them as a prop during That's this interrogation. Right. All right. Um, there was a lawyer in that room, right? There was. Did that lawyer say anything at yes. any point? Yes. Yeah, she started off by saying, by letting you know she was a lawyer. And then and that said this was, nothing. And then, yeah, and then she just basically let the cops rough, ride roughshod over everybody When in the, the room. cops and the DA basically conduct a totally sketchy interrogation that definitely violates everyone's constitutional rights in the room, including the rights of two minor children, that lawyer says nothing that lawyer and never why says is like, everyone else anything. witnessing yeah why is everyone <laughs> witnessing everyone else's interrogation it's all just like very <laughs> i mean i will say there was a lovely exchange between jason and helen that like i didn't quite buy that the kid would do this and i didn't always buy his dialogue but they had this bond i totally bought it and i thought that was this nice little piece of emotional business in the midst of this scene that was a complete violation of the entire constitution including the paper <laughs> that it's written on that i was like okay i i like that moment yeah i mean at one point the mom like forbids speaking to the kids right i forbid you to speak to him anymore right something like that yeah and i'm like yeah you're allowed to say that and then but then everyone keeps he, saying he, there right. you go. and then he pulls out the photos of the orphanage and like throws them on the desk like he treats these kids the way they treat like the worst sex offenders on SVU and there's never any acknowledgement except to use it as an interrogation tactic these kids were victims at some point right their mother is abusing them they're abusing this orphanage it's completely unacknowledged it's so strange there was that great moment though where Goran took out the 
handcuffs and flashed him at the doctor like he was about to cuff him. I mean, it was absurd and funny. I don't know. The whole thing was it was a shit show. Um, I don't want to say I loved it. I kind of loved it because it was a shit show, but it was a total fucking shit show. When you're a criminal intent fan, you you, you accept that like the last 10 minutes are Goran, Sister Goran explains it all for you. <laughs> That's totally fine. This seemed to go on much longer proportionately, and it did feel a little bit like this is like from the era of when it an episode was not 42 minutes tops, but was more like 44 minutes. And it felt a little bit like they were struggling to fill the time. Like that thing that you mentioned about like the little like um, buttons and arrowheads and marbles and like little whatnots and how that was determinative of the kid's guilt. <laughs> that seemed to take up a lot of time. And also like when I was that age, spoiler, I am not from a Romanian orphanage or any other orphanage. Thank God. Otherwise you would definitely yeah, be a killer. I know. Otherwise I'd be on my way to your house right now <laughs> to kill you with a field hockey slash lacrosse stick. <laughs> but I had like an old Sucrets tin. Do you remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was the Altoids of a, of a bygone era. <laughs> yeah. Kids, ask your parents. It was Altoids for asthmatics and, is what it was. <laughs> and I, I had all kinds of like, I had buttons in there and an arrowhead and a like weedy penny that my coin collecting dad gave me. And like, it was just there. It was four little whatnots. I don't know. Gorin seemed to have a lot invested in that, mostly because the script was like, you gotta like, just fill for a while. And he had to ask We're only like, 37 minutes. Talk more. <laughs> and it's like he had to ask the nanny to go over and could, could you please do me the favor of reaching into the child's pocket to pull out yes. a button and a bunch of string, obviously. Okay, so that was just one of the things. I mean, it was, the whole dry cleaning thing also sort of took forever and was weird. Like the the uniforms that smelled like mothballs at the dry cleaner, they were, at first I thought they were there because she had killed the guy and their other mm -hmm. uniforms, were, uniforms got blood and they realized. Well, and can we, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can That's we just okay. talk about Goran's willingness to like bury his face in strangers' clothing regardless <laughs> of what might be in there? Always. It's like he's like, a blood No, there could be a hypodermic needle in there like what if you get it in the eye? Then two of you are going to be wearing an eye patch, you and Jamie Sheridan. Sarah, the first Criminal Intent episode we talked about on the show, he opened a dead woman's mouth and stuck his face inside of it to take a whiff of what she smelled like inside of her mm, mouth. Almonds. He has, Must be cyanide. Oh he has no shame Jesus. when it comes to touching things, tasting things, smelling things. He has like a tactile. He's one of those people that just invades the space of like suspects. Like, And I think, I think we're supposed to think that it's like his adorable investigative tactic well and the sense of smell is very you know very strong and evocative and he should definitely use that but i i also feel like maybe just like put a mask on or take some <laughs> care some goddamn plastic gloves yeah i'm yeah. just gonna point like, out what if they're like romanian homicidaitis like <laughs> leaps into your eyebrow and you're infected with it <laughs> take a second there's got to be some training for this. Anyway, please excuse me and continue. Well, I'm going to point out that the one suspect who wasn't invited to the showdown was the the most viable one that they dismissed right away, Eddie, the sketchy boyfriend. Right. I mean, they had his shirt covered in blood, right. including the little green tarnish from, his copper, bracelet. from his copper bracelet on the sleeve. And they sniffed it and they said, well, no one's sweating this. So obviously he wasn't wearing it. Somebody sweat in it when right. they were killing the guy. Yes. Like, okay, uh, alibi, fine. We won't ever talk to you again. All right. Can we please just talk for a second about his analysis of the vocal performance of young Romanian, was it Jason? Jason, yeah. And he's <laughs> he's like, look at him. <laughs> Throwing up all day, his throat muscles would be sore. You know, the vocal cords, uh, 
raw from his stomach acids. See how he switches registers? How he hits this series of high notes. His voice is perfect. He wasn't sick. He's effortlessly <laughs> singing these, you know, Ave Maria high notes. And I'm thinking like... Did you hear him change register yes, right there? Yes. That kid is not singing there, right? Uh-huh, like the kid uh-huh. was so obviously not singing at all, which, you know, a TV trick or whatever. But that scene was hilarious. And it was like another example of Goran knowing something that it's sort of the caricature. It's one thing when Goran knows things about chemicals or history, but when he's watching a 12-year-old boy sing and he's able to analyze it so deftly, it kind of enters into the creepy, like, in a big way. Not least because it's at the center of the, or, like, the overlap of the Venn diagram of, like, knowledge about the after effects of barfing. Like, (laughs) cool story, bro, that he's like, well, here's an interesting thing. If you've been drinking a lot of beer and then you try to sing a fight song, like, what, where are we right now? (laughs) But I agree. That was a little, he did seem to drift off into a reverie. Yes. Vis-a-vis soprano boys. That was maybe... A little weird. Not not something that I wanted to spend a whole lot more time with, but it beat the like discussions of whatever, the yeah. effects of stomach acid on the esophagus. <laughs> like, I didn't need any of that. Let's move on. Who can recognize the actor who played young Jason Connors? Uh, I don't know his name, but I sure do recognize him. Well, where did you see him recently? Uh, we saw him in an SVU episode where he played twins, uh, one of whom was a trans twin who uh, it ended with the open thing about like which one actually did it. It was a boy oh, God, and a girl yeah. twin, yes. but the girl twin was really a boy who yes. had his penis destroyed in a circumcision yes, accident. Yes. Shut up! I knew it! I never once felt right! And it was the one where we had the whole debate about whether the episode was pro-trans or not pro-trans because it was just so fucked up. But it was that same excellent little actor boy. And his name is? I don't know what his name is. Riley McClendon. (laughs) It wasn't like that. It was a place. Like a school. I'm not afraid to go back. Look, he's been on two Law and Order episodes playing three different characters responsible for three deaths. With a lot of crying. That His batting average is pretty high. <laughs> yeah, well, so which one was first? The other one or this one? I believe this was his first uh, appearance in the So they the liked Dick him and Wolf brought universe. him back. Yeah. Oh, I don't blame him. He's a good actor. Uh, SVU actually gets some pretty decent kid actors. Like, there's another famous trans episode called Transition. <laughs> Very creative. <laughs> Where uh, formerly Henry now living as Haley, that actor, Bridger, someone, uh, is on the third season of Bosch. I don't know if you watched Ooh, that. Oh, we haven't started it's on yeah. Amazon yeah. Prime. Okay, yep. It's really good. And he's like, I recognized the like resting brat face right away. <laughs> and then there was a kid earlier this season of SVU that I remember being like, that kid's a really good actor. He's really natural. And then he showed up on uh, Big Little Lies. Yeah. So, I well, mean, SVU's not getting the greatest performances out of the grown-ups No, but the lately. kids are good. Like, one of my all-time... The kids are pretty good. Yeah, I think my all-time favorite SVU episode... I'm sorry to digress, Kevin. Like, totally That's hijacking cool. your podcast. But one of my all-time favorite ones is the one with um, Joan Cusack, where she's the mother of the little girl that they've changed her oh, looks yeah. to look like their missing older daughter. And, yes, and that, that girl's really good. That girl was 
badass good. And she was like, no, they put a microchip in me. And Livy's like, no, they didn't. And she's like, yes, they did. Look at my microchip. She was a good little actress. So I do think SVU. She was good. They do a better Hayden job. Hayden Panettiere back in the day. Hayden wanted Panettiere to come live rocked with Olivia. it. Yeah. Yeah. Who yeah, wouldn't want to go with Olivia? You know? Sorry, Kevin. Except for Cassidy. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Kevin. No, it's actually, okay. I'm glad you brought up uh, Olivia Benson. And, and because we do see uh, after the show has been canceled, the character of Captain Eames now coming on to SVU. I think actually she's like an FBI liaison. Yeah, a little crossover action. That's right. And she has a little head tilt and says something she got from her partner. Yeah, well, at the end of that episode, (laughs) she's having a drink with Benson, and they're sort of talking about the job and what they put into it, and they're old partners. I learned that from my partner at Major Case. It's his way of keeping eye contact. A little eccentric. You have no idea. Okay. (laughs) All that time together, two of us. It was like we were married. But you weren't. Certainly with Benson and uh, Stabler, Stabler, there was always the should they, shouldn't they, will they, won't they. For some people, yeah. Sarah, how would you describe Gorn and Eames' real relationship? It's not romantic. I don't know. No, it's not romantic, and that's, like, never on the table. I never felt like she got quite enough to do. She's a very good actress. Uh, Some of you may remember her from Oz. She played the only lady on Death Row. She was very creepy. And was actually married to Terry Kinney, who played McManus on that show for a while. When they got divorced, my husband found her in an apartment, and that's Name Dropping (gasps) with Sarah D. Bunting. Wow, hey! Yeah. I do love her. That was... Like a gust of uninteresting information. Does um, she like granite I, countertops? I, Is that? I don't know. I will inquire and get back to you for my third appearance, uh-huh. at which time I may pick someone besides Chester Lake. I liked their relationship because I liked that she respected all the good things about his goreness, like the bending at the waist and the knowing things about stomach acid and whatnot. But she didn't. Like, she took his knowledge seriously, but she didn't take him too seriously, right. which I think was important. And the show had the same attitude that was like, well, we we know this fucking guy, but we, you know, we, he's Sherlock and people like that. Like, on some level, people respond to this intuitive but also encyclopedic response to solving crimes because it gives you that sense of, like, the randomness of crime can actually be controlled by this intellect. So... I think she feels the same way about it that I do. I'm going to say something. I hope that you take this in the spirit with which I mean it and maybe not listen to my actual words, which I'm sure are going to sound like maybe a little bit offensive. <sighs> yeah, start by an, with Uh-oh. an apology. She That's reminds good. me of like the sister of somebody with special needs on the show. <laughs> like, yes. this is it's like Jenny and Forrest Gump. Like, I am the constant companion of my brother who's like a little <laughs> bit on the spectrum, but he's also a genius and I will defend him and I'll kick your ass if you mess with him and I'll let him sort of fly cover for me because sometimes he flies cover for her when she does slightly. Uh deceptive things which is awesome Um, but it's very much like this is my special needs brother who is happens to also be smarter than you that's kind of what it it reminds me and I'm with him until I have to suspend him yeah Yeah. and then she's yeah she's frequently sort of like trailing behind him apologizing for him but I think she just accepts that as part of the package which is also that they clear these cases because he is so smart but also is dumb about things like following the rules and and olivia dabo oh jesus (laughs) 
I like that actress, but oh my god, fucking Nicole. <laughs> the greatest Moriarty mastermind of our Dick Wolf time. <laughs> but that's a matter for another podcast. That is a matter for another podcast. When it comes to bra shopping, it's all about finding the right fit for you. And you know what I mean about that. There's only one lingerie brand that offers bras in sizes AA through G and half cup sizes. It's called Third Love. Third Love? Third Love uses thousands of real women's measurements and super smoothing memory foam to create bras that fit better and feel fantastic. There's a perfect bra for everyone, and you can find yours in just seconds by answering a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder. Now you can try one of their best-selling bras free for 30 days. Just pay $2.99 for shipping. What? Can you cut the tags off? Yeah, you can cut the tags off. Can you, like, wear it around the house? For 30 days. Can you, like, check You can go for a run. You can mop your floors. You can do your laundry. You can do your tree chopping. You can can you let Detective Gorin sniff it for perspiration? Do not do that. Just pay $2.99 for shipping and one of Third Love's signature 24-7 bras. It's on its way to you, and you can try it free for 30 days. Go to thirdlove.com slash law and order to find your perfect fitting bra. Try it for 30 days. That's thirdlove.com slash law and and order order to try your new favorite bra for free. All right, let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode was inspired by the murder of New York financer Ted Ammon. The multimillionaire, his wife Generosa, and twin boys seemed to be the perfect family, but friends said Generosa's violent temper put a strain on the marriage. The couple became estranged as divorce proceedings began. Refusing to stay in their Manhattan apartment, Generosa purchased a $9 million home, then began a torrid relationship with Danny Pelosi, an unlicensed electrician hired to renovate the house. In October 2001, the Ammons signed a child custody agreement with divorce papers to be finalised the following week. Three days later, Ted was murdered in his mansion in the Hamptons. Because changes to his will hadn't been formalised, Generosa inherited his estate. She and Pelosi married three months later, but she soon learned the electrician was as temperamental as she was. In 2003, Generosa was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer and cut Pelosi out of her will. After she died, Pelosi was charged with Ted Ammons killing. Investigators said... Motivated by greed, Pelosi zapped him with a stun gun before bludgeoning him, then escaped with the home security footage. Danny Pelosi is currently serving a 25 years to life sentence. So, I mean, it's obvious that it should be the low rent boyfriend, right? Did Pelosi wear a copper bracelet in real life? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think he might have wore a lot of chains. I mean, he was from Long Island. And he was right? an unlicensed electrician. Important detail. Yeah. Because if you just spent $9 million on a home, you got to cut corners somewhere, and it may as well be the hired labor, right? That's true. Yeah, why not something that could make the whole place burn down? Yeah. Uh, here's something. I just realized I've been confusing Ted Ammon and Ted Binion for like the last 10 years. They're not the same person at all. Really? But you know this You know this case? I didn't know this case because I was like, wait, that's not why Ted Ammon got killed. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he's not the... He's not the horseshoe casino guy. No. I don't know what I'm talking about. I didn't realize, I mean, of course I realized there was a real case, but I kind of Googled around and I couldn't find anything that was relevant. I think because I didn't realize that 
the sketchy boyfriend had actually done it. Yeah, what's up with Megan the kids having, like, had done it in the episode? That's bullshit. Well, I think it's almost, you you know, too No, too obvious, (laughs) right? I mean, that it would be, I mean, who has certainly the the most to gain and i and I, I i do like it when law and order takes the real life thing and makes it a writing prompt and goes from there as opposed to just cutting and pasting the names of the real people and the characters right in. right and like i said sarah i think that's something you said in our last episode too you prefer when it isn't so completely predictable as the real case yeah the um Lately, they've really been doing that thing where they just like change the names enough to satisfy the legal department, um, or they just kill the episode. We are never seeing that Trump episode with Gary Cole. I'm pretty bummed out about it. Yeah, me too. Uh, but I do like, I agree that it's more fun when they do what they used to do uh, on the mothership in the 90s, where they take the famous case, they refer explicitly to the famous case. And then they use it to explore all the issues around it, but they put their own twist on it. And this is that, obviously, because I couldn't find it. Well, there's one thing that I don't think they did well in this episode. As I mean, of course, it's not like a documentary. So let's just put it out there that it's not that. But the mother, we're supposed to the whole episode believe she's like a monster, right? She's like right. telling the kids horrible things about her ex-husband. She's, But we see in not a single scene with her an iota of evidence that she is actually a monster. We see her going to comfort her kid in bed. We see her sort of crying at the prospect of anything bad happening to them. She just kind of says, uh, one's like, if your father yes, wants but, to talk to you, but come get me. It's very lame and yeah. small. We know she's dying of cancer. So, And then at the end, there's this throwaway line like, well, the kids will be better off now. Because what? Because one of them is going to prison and the other one's going to like the custody of the state or whatever. And I'm like... They're better off than they were living in like a huge mansion with a woman who said things behind their back and seems completely fine. But she'll be dead soon, so yeah, it's fine. Yeah, but they did not do a good job of translating the monster that the real life woman maybe apparently was. I don't know. I, I just think that, that part of it was really lacking. It's not the actress's fault. It had to do with the way the character was written, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And then I, I think we were supposed to judge her almost more for like having a nanny and letting the nanny. <laughs> God forbid, right? Become so involved in the kids' lives that I was like, well, she's dying of cancer. And that character, the mom, just didn't really register much one way or the other. But at the end, we're getting all these close-ups that are telling us that we're supposed to think, like you said, that she's a monster. And I was like, well, I don't – like n- now this starts? I just Yeah, they didn't do a good job there. So it's like the typical rich New York mother. Like not only is the nanny going to raise her children while she's alive – <laughs> but gonna raise him while she's dead too Law and Order loves nothing more than judging ladies with help at home they love oh, that man. shit <laughs> for sure but the fact is like that was so much a better situation for everyone if only the whole like unfortunate killing of the estranged husband hadn't interfered I think everyone would have basically been fine Helen was into it so Helen seemed perfectly nice yeah. She was cooking a Le Creuset cookware. She had to wear mm-hmm. a fucking uniform, which I always think is bullshit when I see that. Like, when you see, like, the mom hanging out with the nanny and bringing the nanny to the concert, and then you realize that mom is making the nanny wear a uniform. To the concert. Like, and also to go to a kid's concert, like, fuck's sake, drop her <laughs> off at a bar. Yeah. Have you been to a kid's concert lately? Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. Nope. Anything worse than children singing? No, there is not anything worse than children singing. That nanny probably heard that version of Ave Maria 75 million times <laughs> and was like, thank God this is the last time I have to hear it. It's true. This is my nightmare. Yeah. Someone bludgeon me, please. <laughs> With a hot field hockey stick. Yeah. Please. Now, 
Now, in real life, the twins were adopted from a Ukrainian orphanage. Yeah. And uh, they're adults now, and they're making a documentary about their family story. Well, they're definitely going to turn out to be killers, so I hope that they're able to get that done before they decide to go kill people. Because not only are <laughs> twins creepy, but twins from the Eastern Bloc of any, like, ilk are uh-huh. clearly on a path to murder, right? I well, According um, to law and order. According to law and order, <laughs> and not our legal advisors. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. But, uh, yeah, I mean, why not? Do you think that they'll include that they were featured in this episode of Criminal Intent as part of their documentary? <laughs> they could point to each other and say, you, you were the one who was the killer. That's well, going to do it for us. I want to. We're going to get sued. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my opinion, Sarah. <laughs> I'm not saying they're and actual My opinion killers. is, hello, lost. <laughs> <laughs> want to thank our guest again, Sarah D. Bunting. Sarah, Yay! where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, you can find me and my writings about all things Law & Order at my website, previously.tv. You can also listen to my true crime podcast, which is called The Blotter Presents, and you can follow that on Twitter at Blotter Presents. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely, lovely. Sarah. You're one of our favorites. Rebecca, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie. They can listen to me and follow me on Crime Writers On and... They can now listen to me also on Slate's parenting podcast, Mom and Dad Are Fighting. Can you believe that shit? I'm on a parenting podcast. Yeah, that's really crazy. <laughs> I hope no parents of twins uh, that, that's call like it giving. <laughs> I was just going to say I'm going to write in a question about twins. It's like giving a field hockey stick to a Romanian orphan. <laughs> you can track me on Twitter at Kevin T. Exactly Flynn. Like you can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These RTR Stories. Our newsreader was Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on iTunes. It helps others discover this program just like you did. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Other Stories was recorded in Square Egg Studio and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Thanks again to Third Love for sponsoring today's episode. Third Love uses real women's measurements to create bras that fit better, available in sizes AA through G, as well as their exclusive half cup sizes. Try one of Third Love's 24 7 bras for free for 30 days. If it's not your new favorite, return or exchange it for free. Go to thirdlove.com slash law and order now and try Third Love for free for 30 days. That's thirdlove.com slash law Law and and order. Order.